Warning! This episode contains foul language, discussions of mental health, trauma, unhealthy self-image, and body dysmorphia. listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we sit down with a special guest or maybe just each other and we talk about something weird. And this week we are jumping back into the world of body modifications. You've heard the history and the types of ways we can change ourselves physically, but what about the psychology behind it all? What is going through someone's head when they get a facelift, a boob job, or completely cover their entire body in tattoos and piercings? Let's take a good peek inside the human mind for part two of this body-altering journey. My name is Lauren, and this is my co-host, Ashley. Hi, weirdos. (laughs) Why were you making fun of me? Oh, no, I just, like, you were like, tattoos and piercings. Like, you just, like, really hit the piercings. Can I be honest? It's because I was running out of breath, and I gave it the last dying breath that I had. (laughs) I was like, tattoos and piercings. And then I was grunting. That's what was happening, I'll be honest. And if we sound drunker than we did last week, that's because it's the same night. (laughs) It's the same night we're recording part two. (laughs) More wine. More wine, please. Hey, everybody. Was it like, hi, everyone. Hello. Welcome to Keep It Weird. We're still doing the show. Um, (laughs) Do you remember (laughs) years ago, back in like season one, we used to get like kind of a little drunk during the the episodes, and I think we should bring that back occasionally. I don't hate it. Like, I feel, as you're saying this, I'm feeling that this part two is absolutely going to be a little bit tipsy, and I'm not mad about it, because we're still going to get the information out there, just maybe in a funnier way. And I don't think we're annoying drunks. We just sort of, uh, we're giggly and can't talk. And we already have trouble talking i was gonna say funny i'm so we have a podcast I, I stutter real hard but we try we do our best we do our best one of our drunkest times i should actually say myself i shouldn't throw you under the bus in this was <laughs> when we were doing the holly weird episode with blair oh and my gosh. i I couldn't get any of my sentences out. Everything I said, you guys would basically have to piece together my sentences. Because I was like, what did I say? Who? Where was the ghost? And I didn't know what was going on. Because that That whiskey punch. I was going to say, that makes sense. Because that is one of the funnest episodes we've ever recorded. It's so much fun. Because we were all tipsy tips. And then I just couldn't speak. But it was because normally, even when we got a little bit buzzed, it was usually just on wine and we were able to push through. But that night, we had a whiskey punch. Yeah, it was adult adult beverages that got us adult drunk. And that exactly. night, we had college alcohol. It was college alcohol for sure. Like a very full mason jar of whiskey. And by the end of that episode, I was like, I don't, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. But it was a blast. 
That's like uh, Ben, actually. Ben Velker, who was on, oh, I don't remember which episode it was, but it was uh, Rosemary's Benjamin. It was season yes, one. It was like season one. Of our one. First, it was like, yeah, was like very eight, first. Eight, six, six or eight. I don't remember. It was yeah, like, very it was early. early. Um, but he had just sent me, he had just gone home to Illinois and he came back and he dropped off some homemade wine. <laughs> oh my God. And, that angel. <laughs> oh, angel. Two bottles. I drank them both. Um, they were like plum and blackberry wine. Yummy. Oh, it's delicious. It's like candy. But literally, if you smell it, your nose will burn. You're like, I'm drunk through my nose. This it's, was all I needed. It's poison. They're gone. I drank both bottles. But yes, it ma'am. really, it really nails you to the floor. And it's one of those things where it's like, this is delicious. This is candy. And then two glasses later, you're like, I need help getting to bed, please. I know. It's so <laughs> dangerous when it tastes that good. That is how I felt about your vampire party that you had last year oh, with the geez, blood bags the of that sangria. Yeah. It was so good. I was downing those bags which thank goodness alex agreed to be the dd that night because i was like i'm having another bag it was so good (laughs) anywho anyway everybody hello hi is anyone else drinking a beverage or do you just think we're (laughs) is anyone there (laughs) have you all signed off (laughs) okay we're gonna keep talking about some body mods y'all body mods yeah this week is a little deeper than last week psychological yeah i'm excited i am very excited am i kicking things off is that what we're doing yeah i would love for you to start okay guys we're jumping back into plastic surgery for those of you who are joining us last week we talked about the history and how we got to where we are but the psychological side of plastic surgery as anyone could guess looking at what cosmetic surgery is is very fascinating there is a lot to it and honestly i was even texting ashley this The other day, a lot of it is more relatable than I expected it to be because, again, before I set out and did this research, I feel like I had my feelings on plastic surgery kind of set, and now I have changed drastically, and I actually relate to so much of what is being said, and I think some of you guys will too. So let's dig in. Um, We talked last week about some of the most popular surgeries across the world. It was not just the U.S. It was across the world. And none of the surgeries included were the reconstructive and the ones that are necessity and life-saving for obvious reasons. It's because more people are just getting cosmetic surgery every day, and especially in the bigger cities. L.A. sees cosmetic procedures a lot more (laughs) than other places. (laughs) We see a lot of it. So those are the most popular by far is getting those, you know, physical changes that are just going to make you feel happy. But I want to look into the why we just we want to get in their heads and kind of see what they're doing. A lot of it is to keep up with the youths of America and just to look your absolute best on the outside when you feel like you're aging. But what is that exact why? So the big underlying questions at first are, will plastic surgery make you feel better about yourself and better overall about life? And what do people truly expect from the surgery? And can their expectations actually be met? Those are huge questions that I think all of us would ask when we're really considering plastic surgery and looking at people who do it. Like, what what are you expecting? What do you think your expectations are too high? Can they be met? Will you be happy from this physical change? And the answers, of course, because we are humans who are so vastly different from each other, are not simple answers at all. They are very complex, but let's dig in. 
So plastic surgery is widely attributed to our obsession with physical appearance, of course, that stems from societal standards of beauty. These standards have absolutely changed with time and will always continue to change and evolve. Like right now, it is very trendy to get a butt implant or a butt lift because no need. No need. I know. (laughs) Ashley, you do have a good booty. And I must say, I never had a booty until I had Wilder. And now I got a big old butt. But anyway, a lot of people are getting butt implants and butt lifts because there is a a current obsession in our country with the rear. And we're seeing a lot of it in music videos. That's just the honest truth. I hate to like pin it down to something so specific. But a lot of it is in the music industry it is all about shaking the butt and showing off the butt. But, but, <laughs> however, but. I should say, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> however, it is also the way that influencers now on social media are posing. I really noticed this. I think it kind of started in 2018 and it's really popular now, but it is all about popping your leg and flashing a cheek to the camera. It is like the way to pose, whether you're just in tight pants or leggings, or especially if you're in a swimsuit and can actually show off some skin. But it is all about popping the booty. So it is a butt obsession right now. And obviously, that is a trend that we're seeing a huge surge in more of butt surgery that didn't exist. So there's always going to be trends. But trends aside, society standards of beauty have a long history And although different cultures have different ideas of beauty, one thing is pretty common to all and has been over the years, and that is youth. Physical attractiveness is seen as synonymous with youth, health, and energy, remembering what we were like in our teens and even mostly our early 20s. And it's something that we think can be reflected if we get our perky breasts, our full lips, our tighter skin, our whatever. We think that's going to make us look younger and get back to having the energy that we once had. Like, everyone is just desperately searching to reconnect with their youth. It does have to do with health. In, yes. Like, that's the connector. Because when I did the teeth, I, I did, like, a whole teeth episode in one of our bonus episodes. Mm-hmm. And even back in, like, literally cavemen times, teeth were an important part. Because if you had, you know, cleaner teeth... Uh, and you had more teeth in your mouth, that was a signifier for better health. And you're always looking for a mate. It's just, it's deep in our bones that is healthy, that that it has, you know, is the healthiest mate. So, you know, teeth and and health and youth, that that is automatically an attraction, whether you know it or not. That's 100% correct. And it's funny that you're saying that, whether we know it or not, because that's my next point is scientific studies have proved that whether we want to admit it or not, our brains find a very symmetrical face attractive. And that becomes our standard that we work around while judging anyone's appearance. It's just an obsession with symmetry that is totally in our subconscious. We don't even know that it's there. But we're looking for those non-complicated, clear facial features that are perfectly even. The cheekbones, the jaw, the mouth, everything is even. It's symmetrical. We don't know that that's what we're looking for, but that is the standard. That's just what our brains do. And it's why models are a thing that exists in the world, because most models are very symmetrical people who appear beautiful to the majority of the world's standards. They are just the most common thread of beauty that can kind of connect everybody because they're so symmetrical and look like what our brain is craving. And we don't want to admit that, you know, we all want to say it's about what's on the inside. And of course, at the end of the day, it really is like it, 
all comes down to a person's personality. But initially, when we look at someone, whether we know it or not, we're looking for that symmetry, which is crazy. But our natural hardwired response to physical attractiveness is explained as the halo effect. And the halo effect is a form of cognitive bias in which the brain allows specific positive traits to influence the overall value of a person or an, or an object. The halo effect can be talking about objects or people. But this is kind of the scientific term for when we look at somebody who is attractive, we think they have an, a better value than others. Mm. And this refers to the phenomenon of people who are seen as attractive and they are being treated differently, which... Unfortunately, it does happen all the time. These people are attributed to more positive traits such as competence, intelligence, trustworthiness, loyalty, all the good things. And people want to treat them better and give them things. They will get better service at places. They'll be given free gifts by different brands. Like if you are better looking, it is just a fact that you are going to be treated a little better. That's just how our world works and our brains work in that way. That we think, oh, this person is attractive, so they have a better value than this other person. And we can get to know someone and go against that initial thought, but that is what our brain perceives initially if we see an attractive person. It's like, oh, success. I see that. So we can conclude and draw from the way that our brain works and learning about the halo effect that someone would probably choose to enhance their looks surgically, go under the knife in order to reap the benefits of the halo effect to be better liked by strangers, colleagues, be noticed on social media. They just would live a better life, whatever it is. Thus unleashing this big string of benefits in our heads that all stem from a physical appearance. And that does play in for sure. There are a lot of people that go in for this effect because they want to be more attractive to their guy friends or whatever. I don't know if you read anything about this, but the halo effect, when you see an attractive person, do you automatically think... Um, like good hygiene as well, like clean cleanliness, like I good do. hygiene. I'm like, man, which is hilarious. They're because, very like, clean. <laughs> when is the last time I washed my hair? I don't know. Right. And I know and that I'm a very an attractive, attractive person. Woman. <laughs> yeah. That so is very true. Looks can and be deceiving, like, I haven't guys. Showered. Haven't put deodorant on today. I'm literal <laughs> trash. <laughs> that is the halo effect in a nutshell, is what you just said. As you look at someone, it's like, oh, you have it all together. Like, you are clean. You probably smell like daisies. Nope. Your mouth smells like pure mint. Mm -mm. I just want to be you. <laughs> and it's like, no, you have no idea. But that is just what we perceive. It's what our brains automatically do. And again, that, that is one reason for people to get plastic surgery is they see somebody else that they perceive as having it all together and they want to edit things on themselves. But something that made me hopeful is that many, many studies have been done over the years to actually show that there is no direct link between a person's happiness and how other people rate their attractiveness, which I thought that brought a lot of hope to the world and in people. That most people in these studies done across the world, not just in the U.S., said they do not find their happiness from whether someone compliments them on their looks or not. It goes much deeper than that to truly be happy, which is great that they're finding it rooted in something else and more based on the relationships and hobbies and family and all of it. So being perceived as attractive is irrelevant to happiness and self-esteem, but... Perceiving yourself as attractive greatly contributes to self-esteem and well-being, and you may want to change something physically about yourself just for you and you only 
And it's this thing within yourself that I want to personally feel better and look in the mirror and be happy with what I see. And then maybe I'll feel that success. I don't need someone else to validate me, but maybe I can finally feel beautiful, which is very important. And how this is the part that I read where I was like, hell yeah, I just want to feel good about myself and my reflection. I get that. That's why a lot of the time when people are going in for like major plastic surgery, it's good to actually have therapy because you have to understand, is it something that a simple tweak is going to literally like change the way that you look at yourself or are you going to have to keep tweaking and tweaking and tweaking and tweaking because it has nothing to do with your actual physical appearance? Oh, Ashley, how I'm going to dig into Lauren, that okay, so much good. more. <laughs> No, I'm glad you brought that up because that is exactly it. That is truly it. So first, I just wanted to put in an example of plastic surgery that really is for people who just want to do something for themselves. The best example is breast reduction because it goes against the general belief that plastic surgery is all about meeting society's standards of beauty and what is sexy, which is usually up the boobs, up the size, get bigger, yeah. look sexy, look like a porn star. But many celebrities, including Drew Barrymore and somewhat recently Ariel Winter, who played the youngest daughter in Modern Family, they very famously went uh, under for breast reduction and just said it was for personal reasons. They didn't really cite anything else because they do not have to. That's their personal life. But uh, sometimes with people, it's very practical, such as avoiding back pain. If you have really big boobs, back pain, you're carrying around those huge jugs. What are you going to do? It's hilarious because a lot of my family, the women in my family have had to get breast reduction because their boobs are so big it's causing back pain. And I'm like, I look down at myself and I'm like, what happened then? I know. What happened I'm the same here? way. My grandma had very big boobs. One of my aunts does. My sister does. Sorry, Julia, I know you listen to this, but like, you got them and you know it. And I'm like, what happened <laughs> what, to my body? <laughs> I've never had back pain from my boobs. Never. My I don't have front pain from my boobs. They're so small. No, they're so small. I'm with you. <laughs> I, I don't understand. But I'm happy for people who get the reduction yeah, for please. their back pain. But also sometimes people do it to avoid being hypersexualized. It's that total mm. counterpoint of like, I don't want the sexuality and I don't want to be looked at for my cleavage and my boobs. So they'll reduce it for that. That's like when when girls develop too early. Yes. You know, if you're and the they, last to develop, then it's like, like, why don't I have boobs? But if you're the first to develop, it's like, why do I have boobs? I would rather die. 100%. It's uncomfortable. And girls complain about the way, you know, older men look at them and they're only freaking 11 or 12. And they're like, I don't want this. It's, yeah, it's the unwanted attention. So I totally get that. And I love that women find it in them to be like, I'm going to reduce these knockers, even though everybody else is getting, you know, augmentation going bigger. I want to reduce. And what's interesting is basically everybody who has been studied after getting a breast reduction is very happy after. They never say like, ah, oh, man, nope, I went too far. Time to put them back in, get an implant. It's almost always happiness and feeling unburdened after the reduction because they did it for themselves. It was their own personal choice, going against society's norms, doing it just for them and not for anybody else. So that's a huge key thing that most plastic surgeons and therapists will look for and somebody who wants to get plastic surgery, which now we're going into a little deeper of what people are doing when they go in. So the assessment of a patient for plastic surgery needs to be based on expectations. 
There is a psychological questioning in place currently during the pre-assessment, along with a very intense physical testing in order to qualify for surgery, which the physical is, of course, very important because people with, you know, high blood pressure, or low levels of any sort of thing that they're looking for. It's like, no, we can't do this surgery right now, blah, blah, blah. So they do a lot of blood work, a lot of physical testing, but I don't know how deep the psychological testing is that is in place. I feel that it has to be more just based on the people I see walking around the world clearly addicted to surgery and taking it too far. I'm like, who is who doing these surgeries this? for them? Who allowed this? Yeah, what doctors are doing this? And why isn't anyone being more thorough? So just from what I've seen, I don't know what's happening in the offices and what the therapists are asking them, but I feel like it needs to be deeper. And I don't know if this is too invasive, but I honestly feel like they need to go above and beyond and start looking into the person's life a little bit to properly see where they're at mentally, because sometimes you can only know just how deeply affected a person is with their mental health by talking to people in their lives. You have to talk to a roommate or someone they were in a relationship with or a family member in order to get the actual truth, especially someone who desperately wants plastic surgery and might fib a little bit. So... I don't know. I don't know what would be legal and what I have. Clearly, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I just feel like there has to be something deeper because there is this whole group of people getting very invasive, risky surgery, and they are clearly not of sound mind and they are taking it too far. And these doctors are still doing it. So I don't know how that goes, but we've seen many cases before on how pre-surgery ex expectations completely and directly lead to how the person felt afterwards, because of course. And with those who had unrealistically high expectations of how the procedure would turn their life around, they end up being very less happy afterwards and super disappointed. Their standards were unrealistic and way too high. But those who turned to surgery with a specific mindset of only altering maybe one part of their body for their own self-esteem... These people all proved to have very positive results with their emotional status and said, I'm happy. I got exactly what I wanted. It was this one problem area, and I knew that I would be okay regardless. So you have to be coming at cosmetic procedures with a healthy approach, and of course you're going to feel that healthy mental result. But so many people are not. They think this is going to fix every problem they've ever had when they might have a very severe mental disorder that's just not, that's kind of being overlooked when they go in for this. So... To get more specific with the actual procedures and how they relate to the psychology, breast augmentations prove to have the most positive emotional outcome in the world of plastic surgery, which that doesn't surprise me. Because people go in, they very much are just like, I want to fill out this dress a little better. I want to, you know, I want to look good in my swimsuit. I want bigger boobs. They're very specific on that. It's not, good, it's not going to affect their whole well-being in their life. They literally just want to look nice in a bikini. They go in with that, they come out with great self-esteem and confidence. It is a high trait in most breast augmentation patients. But then, procedures like rhinoplasty and facelifts have more mixed results. Some people come out very happy, and some people come out even more depressed and cannot move forward. And it's because altering the face is extremely difficult, and a person's expectations will almost always be beyond what the surgeon can safely do. The face is tough. And no one can perform miracles. And if you're expecting a miracle, disappointment is going to come and almost always does. So then people will go in for corrections and more filler and more this and that. And that's why you see so many people with just 
faces that look insane. Like, there's no other nicer way to put it. There are just so many people out there in the world where you're like, what have you done? Like, you destroyed your face. I'm looking at old pictures of you in your 20s, and you're stunning, and you destroyed this face. But it's because they have this unrealistic expectation that they go in with, and nobody can match it. So they have to keep trying and trying and trying, and and it gets so dangerous. They probably have body dysmorphia. Yes, where they 100%. just what they see is not what is real. Exactly. No matter how often someone says, "I think you're beautiful," they're not seeing that. Which we are going to get to more of that too. But a big scientific review study published in 2013 by the Association for Psychological Science showed a large number of positive outcomes from plastic surgery across fields such as anxiety, social phobia, goal attainment, self-esteem, and general satisfaction. They studied 544 patients here in the U.S. who underwent aesthetic surgery on one problem area and questioned them over a 12-month period on how they felt, and the majority were actually very happy, which is great to see that people are able to achieve what what they were desperately searching for, but again, the answer to whether plastic surgery improves emotional well-being is never going to be black and white. Also, the study was only a year. And what are the longer lasting effects? It is so hard to tell, and it varies person to person, which is why it is the important responsibility of medical professionals to educate their patients and evaluate their psychological state very seriously, because unhealthy motives behind surgery, such as relationship pressures or the very unfortunate case of body dysmorphic disorder, which Ashley just mentioned, these motives cannot result in a positive outcome psychologically. No matter how successful the procedure went, Body dysmorphic disorder basically runs a person's life, and no matter what changes they make, they will feel unhappy, and they'll find another thing wrong with themselves that could lead to getting more surgery and developing a dangerous addiction to it. And the addiction could simply be to get their idea of perfection and fixing problem areas, or to get more specific, there are so many people out there who are trying to look like a celebrity, an anime character, a doll, the list goes on. And these people will do just about anything to get the look they desire, and it can turn to a very scary addiction. And people have this belief that anyone who gets routine plastic surgery or becomes overly obsessed are just simply self-absorbed. They just think they're the best and they need to look the best, blah, blah, blah. But this is a huge misconception because many people who develop a serious addiction to plastic surgery have huge and severe insecurities and usually it's body dysmorphia like we mentioned but it's usually like they are the opposite of what everyone is thinking like oh they just think they're a princess and they're getting plastic surgery no they usually hate themselves are most likely suicidal and think they will never look good so they keep going back in and get addicted body dysmorphic disorder actually only affects about one to two percent of the general population but It has been found to be up to 15 times more prevalent in those seeking plastic surgery. Like, this is where this group is going. And people struggling with BDD obsessively think about their appearances, focusing only on the negatives. And they also engage in obsessive-compulsive disorders like constantly mirror-gazing, comparing themselves obsessively to other people, picking at their skin, seeking reassurance and affirmation, and even trying to do dangerous treatments on themselves, which is just so scary. The people try to do stuff at home, but you get desperate and you want to do anything you can. So plastic surgery sadly actually leaves most people with BDD worse off than before as these patients have these crazy unrealistic expectations about the outcomes and they suffer the pain of the long recovery time of surgery without receiving the results they want. So it drives them mad. 
And these people will continue to go under the knife, spend thousands of dollars on something that fails to make them feel any better. And they usually develop anger towards doctors who they think just aren't providing or advocating for them. And they become dangerous to not just themselves anymore, but now to others with the anger that they're feeling. So it's it just gets really bad for all involved. And then even worse, these constant surgeries almost always lead to a painkiller addiction as the more hardcore opioids are given to people who undergo extensive surgery. And if you already have an addictive personality or mental health issues, you're way more likely to become addicted to the pills and go down an even worse path. So it's all around really bad to try and get plastic surgery to solve your problems with a mental health disorder. This is just, this is the answer. This is where we're at you need to seek therapy and other options before you go into this because it goes so badly. But this is not the case for everybody. That is like the worst case scenario. These people who they think that's their only option and they're choosing that bad path. But for a lot of people wanting to get some sort of plastic surgery procedure, it isn't necessarily a strong addictive personality or diagnosed body dysmorphic disorder that puts them in danger. A lot of people and mostly women statistics, statistics, show us, (laughs) women have insanely low self-esteem and depression that comes from television shows and very much from social media. Oh, social media, especially. My goodness. And the place you live. If you look at like, there's so many times where I will, you know, sit there and look at myself in the mirror and compare myself to like what I see around me. And I live in Los Angeles. Right. So we're seeing models and actors at every corner. Yeah, or wannabe <laughs> models and actors. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's just like, yeah. or in my neighborhood, dancers. Fucking dancers are everywhere. Ugh, so They're perfect bodies. Yeah, it's just one of those <laughs> things where it's like, I have a, I, I'm the healthiest I've ever been. I have a perfectly yeah. healthy by pretty much most men's standards and women's standards, like a killer bod. However, yeah, you're gorgeous. It's not, you have a great you know, body. It's not what I see around me all the time. Right. And what I see and comparison especially is cruel. Not only around me, but on TV and in, you know, it's everywhere. It's sad when like you have to applaud a television show for casting an actress who's a normal person size. It's like, yes, I know, and they that's cast what we do. a woman who's it's like she's not she weighs what you weigh. That's not. They were so brave. They cast a woman who weighed 140 yeah, pounds. They don't that get shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> 140 pounds is a very normal, beautiful weight. Yeah. But we go on the internet to be like, they cast a 140 pound woman, and it's we're all giving give them, them an award, this please award because normally they cast 98 pound women, and so we all got excited. It's so true. It's absolutely what you're surrounded by, and we're in a a tough city for it, 100%. There's also a battle with older women. Older women are most likely to be out there getting the fillers and the Botox and the facelifts because they need to look young and keep up with the 20-somethings, and especially, like you said, in Hollywood and in Los Angeles and in the entertainment industry. It's like they see this standard and people taking their jobs, and they're like, I have to look younger immediately. I have to be able to play younger. I can't be playing a grandma. I'll play a mom, but I'll never play a grandma. You know, like it gets, it goes so deep. So you have extremely young actresses, like actresses my age and even sometimes younger, the parents of a preteen, which right. isn't what? That's not. <laughs> 
you know, that happens. I have friends from high school who got pregnant in high school and they have teenagers as children. Like, it's a thing. But it happens so often where it's like, you couldn't cast someone a little if bit it's older. Part, yeah. If it's part of the storyline. Like, my mom had me in high school and that's part of this storyline. But usually it's not. No. They just chose a younger face yeah. and it sucks. It sucks that it's, it feels like it's getting younger and younger. I can't imagine how it feels, especially to be an actress in Hollywood once you hit. I mean, uh, uh, Amy Schumer had that really funny episode of um, It's Your Last Fuckable Year because she oh, was yeah. turning like 35 or something. And it was like, congratulations. Exactly. Still so like, young. You, now you get to play. Now you're going to be moms and grandmas from here. Like, right. You've shifted. It's your last fuckable it's year. You're never going to you're not going to be the ingenue anymore. Let's just say that. And that's that's just the reality of the industry. It's just going to get younger and younger. And it's so sad. And that is what is driving people to do these crazy procedures because they're searching for the youth that's what it always is and we are so overly exposed to entertainers lives like we see actors models and lots of reality tv stars all over our instagram all over our twitter all over everything who seemingly have the perfect skin the perfect boobs the perfect flat tummy the high cheekbones the whole thing and guess what It's because they are either super rich and pay for cosmetic procedures that we've been discussing, including constant Botox, or, as is the case in a lot of music videos or even, I think of all the teen dramas on the CW, people are heavily filtered and heavily airbrushed. Like, they are using lighting tricks and crazy makeup teams and unrealistic displays for us all to consume around the clock, and we start to believe that that is what people look like. They have that perfectly porcelain skin, that perfectly flat tummy, and that nobody is using any sort of filter or airbrush. We just think, I'm hideous. Yeah, and that's why it. don't I look like this? It's like, well, bitch, you don't have a personal <laughs> trainer. You don't have a personal, you don't have someone in the kitchen to cook every meal for you, or at least a nutritionist. You don't have right. those things. If you had the money to where your career was to look this way, And you had professionals to like work on your skin. That is literally their job is to look good. You would would also look this way if you had those resources. But you have to have a job. Therefore, you can't do (laughs) two a day workouts and you don't have money. So guess what? Sometimes you eat doghouse for dinner. And hell yes. hell yes, I do because it's delicious. And I had a huge hot dog with avocado and tomatoes and crunchy onions and spicy aioli so talk dirty to me that sounds amazing (laughs) that sounds so good and that see i find joy in eating those foods that's why i will never be a social media for that reason like i think of all the people on the bachelor and the bachelorette reality show become they all become influencers it's the reason they go on the show they're lying if they say they're on there to find love they all want to be influencers and they post these pictures that are perfectly curated and perfectly airbrushed none of them admit to it but a lot of work goes into their photos and all these young people looking up to them might not think of that time that they put behind the post. They're just thinking, oh, shit, that girl just rolled out of bed and she's perfect. So we get this idea in our heads of how we have to look and how we should potentially change ourselves to get that level of perfection that we're seeing. And I follow a ton of reality TV stars. Like, this is no surprise to anybody. I am absolutely guilty of feeling those feelings. And I've had to actually unfollow certain people for my mental health because it was getting into a dangerous 
area of self-hate with myself. And I luckily got to a point where I was able to call it out and stay self-aware and say, this isn't real. This is just a person curating their posts. And, you know, if you had the right team behind you, like you were just saying, like, I could get there too. And I was able to call it out and just unfollow them to make myself feel better. But it's so real. And I, I just think I'm in my 30s now. And so that's what I think gives me the strength to find my reality and also just be content in where I'm at. Because I do think you get a little more wisdom the older you get. But I think of teenagers and people in their early 20s who are looking at these girls on social media and thinking that is how I have to look. And it just makes me so upset. That is what I'm supposed I think of to look like. And it's like, no yes. one looks like that. Like, no one looks like that. Nobody looks like that. And you're supposed to look like you and you are your own person. And it's beautiful. I really anyway. wish we could invite all of those 20 year olds and teenagers to an actual movie set to see these people in real life because we've been on right? them. And yes. they don't look like that. Person. And most women in film and television in real life actually kind of look sickly. Because yeah, they are so thin, because when you see them on TV and you're like, oh, they're thin, they're thinner than that because television yeah, makes you, yeah, it really does make you look bigger than you are. Um, I mean, anyone who's taken a fucking full length picture of themselves can tell you that. So, right. These women are skinny. They're very they look like thin. they haven't eaten a day in their and life. And the thing is, is like, there's nothing wrong with that. There are bodies that are that way, but you have to understand mm. that the amount of work that goes into looking like that it's it's your entire life there are no you know you can watch movies where these women are like eating constantly and that's like their character that's not what their life is yeah 100 percent. you just have to know that it's not the reality and to be able to separate that but it's very hard you know like i'm preaching that but i know that it's hard and i have a lot of trouble with insecurities. So I'm like totally on your team if you're suffering from that as well. But what I have learned to do is unfollow people that aren't adding anything productive to my life. And the influencers that I have continued to follow are those who show their cellulite and their postpartum bodies after they've had kids. I mean, I follow a lot of moms, obviously. Once I had Wilder, I was like, mommy bloggers. (laughs) And I like the women that just show their bodies. And even if I'm following one of those annoying TV stars, because I love reality TV and I know they have curated content, I will continue to follow them if they show some transparency. So that's another thing that I appreciate is there are a couple of females from The Bachelor who I still follow because they've come forward and they say, guess what? I use three different filters on my pictures. I use airbrush tools to get rid of my zits. I get Botox every five months and I get lip filler. And I'm like, I can dig you because you're admitting it and you're saying exactly who you are. And I respect that there's no denial. And I think it's the denial that is dangerous for people who follow them. And I think that is where it gets dangerous dangerous with plastic surgery, too, is because people get into this mindset of, well, I don't know if they've had anything done. I think they're just naturally perfect. That means I have to have something done in order to look like them because I don't look that way. And it's really like, no, they probably looked just like you, but they did fix it and they're just lying to you. So this can just... It just leads to such a bad path and it will allow people to spend a lot of money on changing themselves or attempting to do dangerous procedures themselves to reach the perfection they think other people have. I mean, again, easier said than done, but working to practice grace with yourself and knowing that most of these people aren't posting their actual reality and that 
everything is curated and everything is airbrushed. And even if it is their real body, they most likely got a cosmetic procedure for it. And nobody is perfect. And if you want to get Botox or a boob job or whatever, that is your right. And if you can afford it, you absolutely should. Because as I've mentioned in both of these episodes, I may get something done one day and I'm not above Botox. It kind of sounds nice and I have terrible wrinkles and I'll feel fine. But... You just do not have to match this insane beauty standard that doesn't even exist. And yeah, that's just me being preachy for a second because it makes me sad that so many people do it. But it's even myself because, again, I texted Ashley the other night when I was like I was doing my research and I was getting kind of emotional. because I was like, I'm getting better again because I think I'm getting later into my 30s and I have a son now and I just have much different priorities. So I'm learning and growing. But man... Like, still deep into my late 20s when I thought it would fade. I was so deeply insecure. And I I just so feel for these girls who think they absolutely have to be perfect. And I was looking at everyone on Instagram thinking I was complete trash. And even when we first started this podcast, Ashley, like, you remember this. You would post pictures or videos of us. And I was like, why did you pick that horrible still frame of me? <laughs> Like, I think you look fine and cute and like you always do. And I was like, I'm fat and hideous and I'm missing five (laughs) teeth. And like, none of that was true. And it's like, I have gotten better from that. But man, we're so tough on ourselves. And I think that's what leads to this, this dangerous world. And then it goes as deep as body dysmorphic disorder, which is the most common Mm mental health disorder of people who get plastic surgery. And I know I'm not that deep just based on what I've read about it because it's like very obsessive compulsive, but I so feel for those people who just truly will never get what they want. And like, yeah, they just can't get to that level of perfection. It's very sad. They'll never get what they want because they're going about it the wrong way. They're getting the plastic surgery. They're not getting the therapy that they need. Well, when it comes to the psychology of piercings and tattoos, I'm, definitely going to focus on modern times um specifically in the western world because obviously you know a tribe in africa is going to have a different reason for getting a face tattoo than say like jeff in human resources <laughs> yeah <for sure. laughs> and uh the cool thing about this is the psychology actually goes both ways the wearer and the observer um uh-huh. of piercings and tattoos so why get a tattoo jeff in hr why tons of reasons attention self-expression love of art rebellion uh reminders of a mantra or spiritual belief addiction identification within a group best friend tattoos we should get keep it weird tattoos by the way <gasps> we, yeah literally as you were saying that i was like why haven't we done this <laughs> we've we done this okay well, uh, my mom happening. has a keep Side it note. weird tattoo your mom does yeah have i not Wait, sent what? you the photo yeah Who she has a are keep you? it weird tattoo on her arm Ashley, why have you never sent this to me? What does it say? What does it look like? What it color is it? It just says, keep it weird. It's really cute. It's like in our font. She's amazing. You're a terrible friend and co-host that you've so never sorry. told me that Pam had a keep it weird <laughs> tattoo. And how do we not? That's I insane. know. All right. We'll fix it. We'll come up with a design and then get a tattoo never because tattoo parlors are closed forever. So <laughs> In two years. Okay. <laughs> Today, whether we like tattoos or don't like tattoos, um, have a negative reaction or a positive reaction, tattoos are social branding, period. Like, whether you like yep. it or not, they're social branding. Example, like, what do you think when you see a tattoo on the small of a woman's back? Mm-hmm. You're like, tramp stamp. Tramp stamp. Trash. She's easy. She's trash. Yep. 
What do you think when you see a teardrop tattoo? They murdered somebody. They murdered a guy. But it goes even further than that. Like a, a person with a lot of tattoos, like a sleeve of tattoos, might make you think, wow, they're tough. They're a tougher person. Um, certain placement of tattoos make make you think a woman is easy or automatically give you the impression that, you know, this person's not going to work in corporate America. This person's uh-huh. not going to have a briefcase. Right. They're not going to get that typical desk job. Yeah. And whether or not any of these things are true or accurate, you know, there was a study done where um, there were like women on a beach and they were given either they had real tattoos or they were given fake tattoos and some of them had no tattoos. And they were, you know, asking men about these women and literally without them knowing what the study was, they had no idea had anything to do with tattoos, nothing. And the women that had the tattoos were seen as easier you know easy like easier to sleep with than the women without tattoos oh wow so it's just it's an automatic thing for us whether we know it or not these men didn't even know that that was what they were being judged on right you know a lot of people when they get tattoos they mark themselves as reminders of moments in their life yeah, whether it's memory. yeah the birth of their children like you want a, a wilder tattoo uh, or yes a loved one they lost mm-hmm. or even like the day they stopped drinking and joined AA yeah tattoos have also been used as an endorphin release studies actually show that men and women have had higher body appreciation higher self-esteem and lower anxiety right after getting tattoos no way and Love um, that. yeah, but here's the thing. What's really interesting is that if you go like six months down the line and and interview those same people, the men are still feeling it. The women don't anymore. The women have actually experienced more anxiety. And oh, wow. that is something I'll get into in a little bit that has to do with like body image and how insecure uh, majority Ugh. of women are because you Poor start second women. guessing it you know it's like should i have gotten it there should i have gotten it that big is it that you know blah 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 oh i mean yeah i've 100 percent done that with one of my tattoos because it's very in your face and i was like why did i do this i'm an idiot but now i love it again but it's tough which tattoo the one it's from les miserables the one that says to love another person is to see the face I of like god on my forearm one. No, I do too. I love it now. But like, it was, it's exactly what you're saying. I got it. I loved it for the first few weeks. And then I think like two months into it, I was like, why did I get it on my forearm? I should have put it on my back or somewhere I could hide it. This is so obvious. Yada, yada, yada. Just because I got into my head of like, I'm supposed to right. look a certain way and I'm like being too in your face and I need to have this attitude about me. Like I just started to go down a rabbit hole. But... Luckily, I pulled myself out a couple months later, and now I'm obsessed with it and want ink all over my body. So everything, <laughs> everything's fine. I just had a rough period, so I get it. Um, some people actually use tattooing as a substitute for other addictions, um, replacing oh. you know one addiction with another. It's helped people stop drinking, stop smoking, even stop doing heroin. Whoa! Mm-hmm. From tattoos? Yeah, just from getting That's tattoos. Wild. Um, I mean, tattoos and tattoos and tattoos and tattoos. It's a, it's right. a endless replacing, yes. yeah, one thing with the other. Right. You get a craving, you get a tattoo. Yeah, exactly. Or even tattoos that are just reminders, like don't do heroin. Remember that one time you did heroin? You look like this skull on fire. 
<laughs> oh gosh. This goes back to what I was saying earlier about how like women are easy when they have tattoos. Studies have shown that adults with tattoos have been more sexually active and more likely to engage in higher risk behaviors. Um, well, and it's ex- not false. No, but experts believe that's sort of just a mindset thing. Stronger impulses, yeah. people who, you know, love experiences and are, are addicted to the, those excited feelings. Right. Okay. Yes. A lot of people with tattoos will tell you they are addictive. But mm-hmm. there's no proof that there's any truth to that, actually, like psychologically. Oh, wow. Most people would believe that um, if you are addicted, it's more than likely not the tattoo itself, but the surge in brain chemicals that the body releases to deal with physical pain. Because mm. getting a tattoo or a piercing, even though the piercing rush is a lot shorter, it releases adrenaline and endorphins, which relieve pain and cause a positive emotional response. So you'd think that that would be an addictive thing, but experts actually say that if someone's reason for getting a tattoo is they want to feel that endorphin and adrenaline high to feel alive or what have you, then Mm -hmm. the novelty of tattoos and piercings would actually wear off. They'd have to go further and further with body modification, which we do see in people and those people are probably experiencing this type of addiction um which is sort of like thrill seekers like bungee jumping is great but eventually you're not going to get the same rush and you're going to have to upgrade to skydiving yep just like um but you know having a beautiful addition to your body is more likely to be addictive just like shopping can be addictive you know collecting memorabilia or shoes can be addictive There's just no scientific proof yet that tattoos are actually addictive. Addictive. Okay. That makes sense. But you'll hear that from everyone. I do feel, yeah, you hear it from so many people, especially people that get sleeves and then are like, now I'm going to go onto my chest because I just can't stop. Like, I'm clearly not one of those people. I have three very small tattoos, but... I do want more and I crave more. Like, I'm so excited to get the wilder one. And then I'm like, if we have a second kid, I already can't wait to get kid number two's name. And maybe I want this flower on my back. Like, I just, I do think about now the different ink that I want a lot. And obviously, it's not a real addiction where I'm like foaming at the mouth for it. But I do get excited at the idea of more ink it felt like i got the first one it just spurred everything on so it's interesting well some people think that um some people are actually afraid to get their first tattoo because they've heard that it's addictive and they're like well i i just want this yeah, one and i, I don't, don't want to be addicted blah 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 yep. and the thing is is like most tattoo artists especially if you go to the same one if it's your first tattoo they will have you wait six months before you get anything else yeah, they're Bef- like, hold well, that, up. You know, because as soon as you get it done, you're like, this is beautiful. I fucking love it. It didn't even hurt that bad. I want another one. And it's like, yeah, well, let's go. just wait. Like, wait it out and see if Chill you out. still want one or if you're just like on a, a little bit of a high from your first exactly. one. Exactly. You have to let it set in because you're going to have those times of doubt that we talked mm-hmm. about and questioning everything. And you have to get past that then to realize if you want more or if you've made a huge mistake in the first place. So, yeah. It's a journey. Studies show that women who get tattoos are, are more than twice as likely to get them removed as men are. And this is because of body image. 
Women have a higher concern with their body image and a higher emotional response in general. So if they have a tattoo that's unflattering or that is a painful reminder of something, they're more likely to pay for removal and go through the pain of a removal, whereas men will usually just deal with it or cover it up with a bigger tattoo. I was going to say, most men I know have just covered up like a girl's yeah. name or a picture with something else, whereas girls are like, get this off of me. I don't yeah. care if laser removal sucks. <laughs> Reasons for piercings actually have uh, a little bit of a richer background than tattoos, simply because they've got like all the same reasons as tattoos, but then also piercings can actually alter your sense of touch in areas. Mm-hmm. So about... Uh, 62% of people get piercings to express their individuality. Like, I just want right. to, you know, be a little bit different. Yeah. Some people get piercings to commemorate landmark events or to overcome traumatic ones. And the same is true for tattoos. According to many experts, uh, some sexual abuse survivors choose body piercings as a mean, uh, as a means of reclaiming body parts from memories of abuse. So sometimes genital piercings aren't a sexy thing. Sometimes it's like I was touched and I want to reclaim this as a a new body part. And the way that I do that is I I put a decoration on it. It's not the same body part anymore. This is And I'm bringing it back to be my own. Yeah, Yeah. I've recreated this. I can totally see that. That makes sense. Piercings might be a way to highlight a certain part of the body. Um, you know, if you have particularly great boobs and you want to highlight them, you might get piercings. Or to enhance sexual pleasure. Yeah. Some piercings are done for religious or cultural reasons. For example, in India, piercings and jewelry are regarded as a mark of beauty and social standing. And especially nose piercings are an honor to Parvati, the goddess of marriage, which is why they are a large part of Indian wedding jewelry, which I'm sure you've seen before. They have the chains that go oh, yes. to their ear pierce. It's so beautiful. They're um, so cool. I'm I know. always like, those are perfect. That was the They're first so thing that made me go like, I want a fucking nose ring. I don't also, think I would ever everybody do should that. watch. Because it's a little no, bit of like cultural either. appropriation, but also exactly. like I'm scared of it getting caught. But it's so beautiful. <laughs> it is so beautiful. I'm so impressed by it. And also everybody should watch Indian matchmaking as a side note because that involves some Indian weddings. Continue, Ashley. Piercings and tattoos can be done to enhance a person's self-esteem, of course. Um, and I'm actually, I can use myself as an example for this one. Um, a lot of people ask why I got my nipples pierced, and here's the thing, it doesn't matter, mind your own business, but right. I'll tell you guys, because I love you. So, <laughs> I actually did this at a time when I had just, like, left my job. I had just uh-huh. found out that my boyfriend at the time was unfaithful, and mm-hmm. not only that, I was having trouble finding a new job. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I was like, Literally questioning myself at every turn. Like, why am I not good enough for this job? Why didn't they call me back? Why wasn't I enough for him? Et cetera, et cetera. And I basically wanted to do something that I'd always want to do. And that would have made me feel like a badass bitch. Like, I had always wanted it. But I was, like, terrified because I knew it was going to hurt. (laughs) Right. Um, So I never did it. So I got my nipples pierced. And, yes, it hurt really fucking bad for, like, three seconds. It's fine. 
And it worked. Like, I felt more confident every time I was like, I can't do this interview. It was like, bitch, you got needles put through your nipples. Like, put on your blazer (laughs) and, like, go to this interview. Like, brush your hair. It's empowering. Yeah. And it's not a piercing you can see. I'm the only one in that room of interviewing that knew that it was there. But I knew it was there. But it was for you. Mm-hmm. Like, that also crosses over with the plastic surgery. You did something yeah, right. for you, and that's what makes it that much sweeter. Because it wasn't for anyone but yourself. Yeah. And that's when it's great. Yeah. It's when it's the best. Yeah, you're right. Yes, girl. That's what we're all looking for. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, women will say this, and it's never really worked for me personally, but they'll say, like, if you want to feel confident, like, wear really great lingerie under what you're wearing. Because it's yeah, something it that, work like, for me. I just, yeah, I just, it's like, fuck this thong. <laughs> like, why do people wear these? But it's one of those things where it's like, no one knows but me. Yep. And it's something that's sort of like, this is for me and for me alone. Yep. And it makes me feel good. Anyway. Yes. So, but I do remember, <laughs> it's not the same with the nose ring. I was so excited to get my nose ring. I got my nose pierced. No one fucking noticed. Literally no one same no one noticed that, i that happened to me and i'm guilty of it with you i must admit because i remember i came over and we were hanging out for like an hour and you finally went i got my nose pierced and i was like haven't you always had that that's what everyone said i was like are you fucking you were like serious? nope i just got it like i had had my nose pierced while you didn't there was a time in our friendship that i had a nose piercing and you didn't which saying that out loud now makes no sense to me like when (laughs) was there ever a time where i had a nose piercing and you didn't but there was when we first met and then you got it pierced and you're like hello and i was like yeah that's always been there shut up no one cared (laughs) but no the same thing happened to me i did it when i was 18 which you're so much more of an idiot when you're 18 so i like Went to every party sticking my nose in everybody's face, like, compliment me. And nobody said a word. And they, it was the same thing. They were like, oh, wasn't that there? I thought you got that senior year because I got it summer after high school. And I was like, no. It is kind of nice, though, because it fits your face so well that that's true. No one noticed. It's like, well, I guess I I do think that's true. Yeah. (laughs) That is one thing that's kind of, it's annoying, um, and it happens to me a lot, and it's only men, sorry dudes, but it fucking is, it's never women, it's only men, where they'll say like, do you ever take that out? Or like, are you ever going to take that out? And it's like, no, I'm going to be fucking 90, are you kidding me? I'm leaving this in forever, who are you? Why are you asking me this question? Get away from me. I know, I hate that. Don't ask me that. It's never a woman. Anyways. It's on par with why don't you smile more? Are you ever it gonna take that is. out yeah. to me? Are no, that's how that I out? take it. No, I'm not. Because I got that too, where it's like, oh, do you think you'll ever take that out? And it's like, get away from me. I hope I have this to my old age. I was wrong because a sweater <laughs> ripped it out of my face and was the worst pain I've ever experienced, but I wanted to wear it forever. Uh anyway. Anyway, so both piercings and tattoos, but more so piercings, can actually be influenced heavily by peer pressure. For example, I wanted a belly ring because my friend Natalie had a belly ring and a lot of girls who were a year older than us had belly rings and I associated it with like extreme coolness. Yep. I remember that phase. I never got it because again, I'm a wimp, but everyone who I thought was like sexy and cool at my high school had a belly ring. Yeah. So I was like, I was jealous. 
Yep, my two best friends have belly rings, and still to this day, same as you, they're like, I don't think I want this anymore, but it's open, so I have a jewel in it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just oh, have a plain silver hoop. It's like not cute. It's not really just a, thing. a hoop. Yeah. It's not yeah, like. Yeah, and they might have that too. I'm pretending that they have like a, a stud. <laughs> they're bedazzled. Like a, a sapphire. No, they probably just have a silver thing too, but they're like, whatever, there's a hole here, so I have something in it. But at the time, they had like a dangly Yo. thing that fell in their belly button it was like it meant sexy in my head so i remember being so jealous of like oh i'm such a plain jane and they're so sexy but i can't do it because i'm scared and that was life um unfortunately a lot of mothers will pressure their daughters to get their ears pierced and there's obviously a lot of debate today even about piercing a baby's ears yeah that's a huge thing yeah and like for me it's like personally i wouldn't um, I think it's yeah. a decision my daughter can make on her own. I agree. But, you know, you could say the same thing about foreskin removal. Yep. Like, I would probably I'd... have my son circumcised simply because I've, you know, I've done the research. It seems that the benefits outweigh the risks. Mm-hmm. So. That's what we did with Wilder. I and I then I, I have those thoughts where I'm like, well, shit, I didn't leave it up to him. Just did it. But it's like, whatever. He won't remember and it's fine. But. Yeah, it's the same thing. That's how I feel, but I I would never tell someone they shouldn't have gotten their baby's ears pierced because right. it really is not hurting the baby like no more than their vaccines they won't remember would. It. They're not going to remember it, and it's also not my fucking kid. But yeah, so do what you want. That is a debate that's still going on. Yeah. Last one, one of my least favorite piercings <laughs> <laughs> are suspension piercings, Ugh, which same. was historically important in religious ceremonies of some native american tribes specifically the crow nation uh they were a tribe that lived primarily in southern montana anyways what they would do is pierce their shoulders or chest and and then they would become suspended by these piercings from poles um usually during a sun dance or even a moon dance and suspension piercings have stood the test of time and they're now a modern practice as well and there are a ton of reasons why, but um, it's mostly pleasure, and I don't mean sexual. A lot of people think it's a BDSM thing, which, yes, of course, it's the same thing with, like, furries. It's like, yeah, of course, you can, you can use anything and make it sex-related, right. but that's not yeah. the main goal of it. Mostly, mm-hmm. it, it gets you high. Mm, it's a, interesting. It's a euphoric experience, and apparently... And I read a bunch of testimonials from people that actually do suspension piercings. When done correctly, it doesn't actually hurt. There is, it's described as like a slight burning that you can compare to a really warm direct sunlight, but it fades away in like less than a minute. And then you experience euphoria and sometimes like a literal high. You'll literally get high like you're on drugs. Because you receive a rush of endorphins, serotonin, other chemicals, and also being suspended feels good for people. There's something about being suspended right. or, or being in, in water um, that represents sort of the womb to people. Okay. Where you, you know, feeling like you're in the womb and, and that's the same reason the like fetal position under the covers is essentially like heaven because... yeah. It represents that thing that, that we we had at one time. And anyways, apparently, again, when performed correctly, 
it's perfectly safe. Um, Dr. Nelson Goldberg, who is a plastic surgeon at the University of Maryland, has said that the skin is very strong. It's basically leather. And on your back, it's basically double leather. So when you see these people and you think like, oh, my God, their skin's going to rip. Oh, my God, their skin's going to rip. It's not. The skin can easily hold the tension before anything would. So it's like it's not even close to a tear. Uh, I mean, that's still a sentence that I hate to say because I don't like the thought of skin ripping. It's weird and gross. But yeah, it actually is like totally safe and apparently uh, really wonderful for the people to do it. I'm not going to be one of them, but good for you guys. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I'm happy for all of you who do it, but I shall not. I won't be one of you. Oh, my. So let's go over some cases where people have potentially gone too far. Gone too far. You can go first. Do you want me to go first? Okay. Do you want to go to our email so you can look at the pictures? Oh, yes. Okay. Hold on. And guys, listeners, I feel bad because we're going to be talking about this. But A, if you're near a computer or even on your phone while you're listening to this, just Google the person that I'm mentioning But also, I'm sure we'll post this somewhere. Like, we'll post our photos either in our Facebook group or in our newsletter or whatever. So, like, you'll have a way to see it. But also, a simple Google. I don't know if it's the same for Ashley's people, but for my plastic surgery people, you can find them on Google. But I I sent the photos to Ashley because I wanted her to see the people as I'm explaining, just so I'm not just having to describe them and she can actually see I'm starting with the most uneventful first. Okay. Are you in the email? Yeah. So the first lady is Triana Levy is her name. Mm -hmm. And she spent, the reason she was in the news was because she spent $15,000, which isn't crazy for plastic surgery. But in her case, it was all on her face. And it was because, like, usually $15,000 is spread out a little more. But her reasoning was even weirder. This 37-year-old television producer from los angeles which i want to stress 37 so like not in the young vulnerable i can be brainwashed a little bit phase said she didn't like how she looked in her facebook photos or her skype chat so in 2012 she decided on plastic surgery for the perfect selfie look she wanted the perfectly smooth skin the jawline the nose the everything the iPhone apps and filters weren't giving her exactly what she wanted, so she began to research how she could fix her flaws. So she had an implant inserted into her chin in Beverly Hills, and while working on her chin, it was a doctor who knew what he was doing and knew how to get more money that said, I think we could make a few other changes. So they did some fat grafting, moving things around the face. They did a nose job, and I believe there was also some jaw reconstruction, and she was convinced she said yes and she spent fifteen thousand dollars just on her face she even got a second nose job to correct the first one that she didn't perfectly love and she believes that presenting the best version of herself online is super important quoted saying your social media presence is just as important as your real life presence Mm. So that's her. But, and if you're looking at the pictures that I sent you, she doesn't even look that different between them. But that's what pisses me off the most is that yeah. she spent that is much money to sort of photo, look the same. The photo on the right, is that the after? That's the I after. I think she looked better before. I do, too. I yeah. thought her natural look was better. But it's like now that you kind of know what she did, like I do think her chin and jaw look more pronounced. Sure. Her nose is slightly skinnier and her skin looks like super smoothed over and there's probably like some filler in her cheeks like 
But it sort of just looks like she corrected it on an app, which again is what everybody else does. And she could have done, but she spent $15,000 to look like a basic bee. I was going to say. And so I just, I had to include her because she's not even that intense of a surgery. The other people I'm about to get to are crazy. But I wanted to include her mostly because she is what's wrong with the world, <laughs> in my opinion, that she spent all that money to look basically the same and that her mentality is your Instagram should be perfection Man. and like represent exactly who you are. So anyway, she sucks. I barely <laughs> know what it's like to have $15,000. So yeah, so Congrats. there we go. We can't relate to her in any way. Okay, I'm trying to think of what order I sent these to. I think you have Catwoman next. Yeah, Jocelyn. She yes. was almost so actually, on my list, actually. She is just the most special. So I'm actually lumping in my description. I'm going to lump in Jocelyn and Valeria, who should be the picture after her. I'm lumping yeah. these two idiots in together. Idiot. <laughs> because, <laughs> hear me out. So first, there is Valeria Lukyanova, who is a Ukrainian model mm -hmm. who looks like Barbie. Yeah, that's wild. We also have Jocelyn. Yes, it's crazy town. And then we have Jocelyn Wildenstein, who is a 78-year-old American socialite who people refer to as Catwoman. Now, these two women have very clearly had plastic surgery to the outside eye. Mm -hmm. They look very different from each other, and they're very different ages. Their goals of plastic surgery are very different. Like, they cannot be compared in a lot of ways. But the way they are deceiving the world is the same. And so that's why I lumped them together, because they are a huge part of the plastic surgery problem. Valeria has huge boobs and a tiny waist that no one could achieve naturally. No, this is wild. She also, like, the tiniest waist and the biggest boobs. What? Who are you? She also has achieved this perfect bone structure in her face and a nose shape that I have literally never seen on anyone naturally occurring. And it's not in some of her older photos. If you do a Google deep dive, it's a little wider. She claims that all she does is follow a strict diet for the small waist okay. and she uses makeup tricks. I know, I know. I hate it. And using makeup tricks to give her the face and the look of Barbie. Yes, of course she's using makeup tricks for, like, the eyes. Like, yeah, we can go along with that. But the rest of the face has been enhanced. But she very much denies having any plastic surgery, even though professional surgeons in the field look at her and say, yeah, right, we don't believe you. This is 100% surgically enhanced. Jocelyn is on that same page. She claims it is her Swiss heritage no. that gives her the face, the look that it has, and that her high cheekbones are natural, and she simply looks different to people from her previous photos because she is aging, and that's just what happens. That's what she was quoted as saying. It's just her Swiss heritage and her aging process that has made her look so different. But again, professionals see her picture and say she's had an eye lift, a facelift, a chin implant, a ton of filler that did her wrong, by the way. And listeners, if you're at home right now, as I said, go Google this woman immediately and tell me that she is not surgically enhanced in any way because these doctors have done her wrong. And she is a prime example of being addicted to surgery, going way too far, and going to doctors who are willing to just say yes to any of her demands because she will not stop. She's going to continue to get these enhancements until her face is a balloon. <sighs> and that's my rant on her. And then I have one more. Uh, you have two more, um, and uh, I two hate more. this next one. Is it the woman or the man? Pixie Fox. Pixie mother trucking Fox. She had six 
ribs removed <gasps> to achieve this look. She is known in the world of entertainment as the living cartoon. She went into plastic surgery saying she wanted to look like Jessica Rabbit from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which I will say she achieved. I have to give that credit the to the body surgeons. shape she, for sure. She's got that body shape. Six oh my God. ribs removed. She was on a special on Fox called Plastic and Proud, and she described herself as her own work of art. She refuses to name all of the work she has done, but she was willing to name a few, which is four breast augmentations, four, four nose jobs, surgery to make her ears look more elvish, which we mentioned earlier. You can get those little pointy elf yeah. ears, liposuction, the six ribs removed, and an entire jaw oh, reconstruction. Man. And she wears a race a waist trainer almost every single day even with the rib removal she's still not content so she wears the waist trainer and she looks crazy yeah that she went too far that waist is honestly scary to look at it's scary the fact that her hands can wrap around the way they do it's very scary i cannot look at it for too long because it makes me upset and then my last one is the only male that I'm mentioning. And again, like even when we were talking about our statistics earlier, like it is mostly women that undergo certain procedures, not in the same world as piercings and tattoos, but in plastic surgery, it is mostly women. Mm -hmm. There are absolutely men that do it. Yeah, calves implants are, it was, were huge there for a while. A huge thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, 100%. This guy, this bitch, man, this Brazilian flight attendant named Rodrigo Alves wanted to live as a human Kendall. Well, he so did he's it. the counterpart to our friend Valeria who wanted to be Barbie. He is, he, the credit I will give him is he is very self-aware. He is a self-proclaimed surgery addict. He will say in any interview, he's like, I'm fully addicted. I'm never going to stop. Nobody can stop me. So... At least he's aware that he is crazy. So he has spent $100,000 on his obsession and is determined to do more. Um, his numerous surgeries include nose jobs, jaw liposuction, calf shaping, pectoral implants, six-pack sculpting operation, Botox three times a year, collagen tablets, anti-water retention pills, hair growth supplements, and eyebrow lift. I don't know if I said that one already. Yeah, Gracious. brow lift. And he's already determined to do more. So he lives in London. He is a worldwide socialite, as he claims on his social media. And he said that Barbie's beau is the ideal man and who every man should strive to be. So he is trying to be the human Ken doll. And again, please Google this man. And also, it's very entertaining if you Google his progress. Because after like his first two surgeries you're like wow that's intense but like okay and then you see him now and you're like hello what <laughs> how hello how has it gone this far so just thousands of dollars to look like a ken doll and i just cannot i cannot get into the mindset of how you can go that far but again it is it comes down to your mental health it is just in you to think that you have to strive for perfection, you won't stop till you get it. So, that's that. Well, when it comes to can you go too far with tattoos and piercings, like, I don't know. I feel like that's an individual choice. It's kind of one of those, like, live your life things for me. Obviously, uh -huh. you can go too far if you want to, like, be a nurse. But 
Like, if that's your dream, if nursing is your dream, you may have to forego certain body modifications. But there are some people out there with some crazy stats. Like, um, if you open yours, I don't think they came in any certain order because I just put them as attachments. But the one labeled Elaine Davidson. Got so, her. Oh, okay. Uh, Elaine Davidson, she got her first piercing in 1997. And by May of 2000. Oh she was officially the Guinness World Record holder for most piercings at 462. She had... 462. Oh, wait. That was in 2000. She had oh. 192 in her face alone. As of 2003, she had 500 piercings in her genitalia alone. And that's no, internal that's and external. Nope. Her internal no. piercings were estimated to weigh almost seven pounds. And that's just her internal piercings, what was inside of her body. I have to go. We have to end <laughs> Good night. this episode. This is, I cannot. And finally, what? as of 2019, she has 11,003 piercings in her body. 11,003? Mm -hmm. I'm pumping my fist right now. I can't <laughs> even. What? Yes. <gasps> Wow. And she started in 1997. This isn't something where it's like, I started in 1950. No, she like started in right. 1957. And by the year 2000, she had the Guinness world record. <sighs> yeah. That is wild. I mean, that face is covered. Yep. Um, the next uh, picture should be the illustrated lady. It's like a girl from the yes, shoulders I up. See. Mm -hmm. So this mm -hmm. is a woman named Julia Ganusi. And when Julia was in her 30s, she um, developed porphyria, which, even though I'm not a beach person, sounds awful. Basically, sunlight would result in blistering of her skin. Oh, damn. Um, so direct sunlight, she would get blisters. And the blisters would often result in scarring, like really bad scarring, like third-degree burn scarring. And wow. a friend of hers who was a plastic surgeon suggested she get her skin tattooed in a pale skin tone color similar to the color of her scars. So she attempted it, but it just didn't turn out the way she had hoped. So she decided to try colorful tattoos. And by the time she was 40, she had 95% of her body tattooed, including her face. Whoa. She was known as the Illustrated Lady, but she um, she actually died in 2016. She was 61, and I oh. cannot find any information anywhere on how she died. How she died? Dang. Now the world record is held by Charlotte Gutenberg, and get this, she's 70. <gasps> Whoa, get it, girl. So the most female tattooed woman is 70 years old. Her body is 91.5% covered in tattoos. Um, she actually wow. got her first tattoo in 2006 as a birthday gift to herself because she'd always wanted one. And not long and after that, now. She, yeah, she lost her husband and he had oh. always been against tattoos. So with the loss of him and also now nothing to hold her back, she just kind of went full throttle. And she's now married to the man in the photo, Chuck Helmke, the Guinness yes, World Record holder for most tattooed male senior citizen. <laughs> Not surprised by that at all. He yes. is covered. Yeah. Wow. These and, are really pretty tattoos, too. I like the coloring. And then the next one is the first photo, Lucky Diamond. It's a guy sitting mm. on a couch. Oh, no. He's scary. He's a little scary, um, but he's the world's most tattooed person in general. His name is Gregory Paul McLaren, but he goes by Lucky Diamond Rich. He's a Kiwi. He's born and raised in New Zealand. His body is over 100% tattooed. I was going to say he's completely covered. Over 
100% tattooed. Over 100%, well, 100% of his dermis is tattooed. And this includes the insides of his eyelids, the inside of his mouth, the inside of his ears, and his foreskin. Nope. His entire skin was tattooed in black ink, which on white skin makes it kind of a bluish, like a blue pit bull color. I was going to say it's blue. Mm -hmm. But now he's getting some white tattoos over his black tattoos. Oh, I see him. That's why he's over 100% tattooed. It's because he's 100% and then he got more. He's engraved with those white. It looks so cool, though. He's actually, uh, I've seen a couple interviews with him. He's very sweet. And uh, I remember in the interview I watched today, he was saying, you know, it took, you know, tattooing 100% of my body. It took all of this for me to love myself. Um, and like care about myself because I just didn't Sweet. really have any self confidence. And he was like, "But you know, now I'm the guy in the book. I'm the guy in the Guinness Book of World Records, and I have you know kids that want to take pictures with me. And you know, it's the he best thing like that he has ever a happened purpose to me. Now, yeah, yeah. Oh, whereas I, before well, he that. didn't have a high opinion of himself, I guess. Well, and I then, feel bad um, for calling him scary. I'm now in love no, with him. No, but he is, though. But when that you see picture him, he's, he's frightening. frightening. Yeah, he's very frightening. He's he's not a color that we see um, no. on human bodies. And also, you know, he's got his teeth are plated with silver I caps. was going to say the teeth were mm-hmm. a little. Um, he's got gauged ears. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's frightening. But not as frightening as the last photo. Nope. Nope, the, this next guy takes the cake. The king of body modification. Everyone knows this guy. His name is Eric Sprague, a.k.a. he's the lizard man. Oh, um, yes. I've seen him before. He's, he's a famous, special. famous sideshow and freak show performer. I know freak show sometimes has a negative con- connotation, but sort of depends on who you ask. A lot of them are proud to fly their freak flag. Um, he even has freak tattooed across his chest. Yeah, he is proudly um, wearing it. Very proud to call himself a freak. And uh, anyways, he has a full body of green scales. He does have a forked, a split forked tongue. He has sharpened teeth. And he has subdermal implants under his eyebrows to give him more of a reptile-like appearance. I mean, he looks like a lizard. He did it. He got what he wanted. But here's the thing. Like, he, you know, he makes a living off of the way that he looks. He's killing it, honestly. (laughs) For body modifications, he's doing it. He's doing it right. Yeah. Guys. So, yeah, like, that's the thing with, like, tattoos and piercings. It's like, can you go overboard? Absolutely. But a lot of the times, the people that, like, I chose, except for, like, Charlotte Gutenberg, but especially Elaine... And Eric Sprague and 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 uh, Lucky Diamond, Rich, like they purposefully were like, I want to be tattooed from head to toe. I yeah, want to look this way, and it's but- not necessarily. I don't think that any one of them have uh, um, uh, an emotional or a mental um, sickness of any kind, as opposed to so people with like extraordinary uh, plastic surgery. With them, it's it's a conscious decision, and they know exactly why they're making it. So yeah, so yep. I don't think you can necessarily go overboard with piercings no, and tattoos. I don't think so either. It's more just fascinating to see like oh, the level so that people will go. But mm-hmm. yeah, you can't be like you went too far. It's like no, I just can't believe you did this. Props to you. <laughs> and sometimes you know people can you know they'll get horns and they'll get this done and they'll sharpen their teeth and then later in life they'll be like oh what have I done 
like what was I thinking? And they'll have to like right. have really painful tattoo removals and laser removals and surgeries to get all of this undone. But right. um, usually it has to do with just like youth and not understanding like what yes. is it's, like what yeah, life you're is a little be like. naive. Yeah, yeah, you just don't know. Guess what, though, before we wrap this up, and I know we really need to wrap this up, mm-hmm. but I have a very important live update. Oh, my gosh. What? I, I can't believe I didn't find this earlier because this happened. It looked like the news first broke back in March. But of this year, so that makes me feel better, Rodrigo Alves, who we were just talking about, who wanted mm-hmm. to look like Ken, he's becoming a woman. Oh, shit. Really? And that... It didn't pop up earlier because I had heard of him already and I specifically Googled Rodrigo Ken. And so it popped up all these videos of him and his male Ken transformation. But for whatever reason, this little thumbnail caught my eye on Google. And so I put in Rodrigo Alves and it says his name is now Jessica Alves and he is becoming a woman. He's now a trans woman. And this just happened this year, but this is a live update for you all. We were just judging him on his Ken doll look, but now I guess we could say he's becoming Barbie because that's true. He went he went for the woman look, and honestly, he looks great in the thumbnail I'm looking at. He's got some blonde long hair, some bangs, some great lip filler. He actually, the surgery that he's had done looks really good as a woman which i don't know if that's fair to say or correct to say but i'm really digging his jessica look well i mean that's one of those things where it's like it could be that he didn't understand that he was trans he couldn't he didn't he may have not understood that he wanted to become a woman and he was just doing all these things to become something different and it suddenly hit him like oh wait which is a beautiful beautiful man Right. And then, and then to come like, to no, terms with the fact that, like, I'm still not happy. Right. But I love my lips else. and I love these feminine features. Oh, my gosh. What if I, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. just a no, you're, form of you're totally right. discovery that he may have gone through. Or he may have known all along and just, you know, wasn't ready to um, to say it out loud. Yeah. And he was just taking a sweet time getting there. But, man, he looks beautiful. His name's... <laughs> Her name, I guess I need to switch the pronoun now. Her name is Jessica. So live correction for this episode. You guys are experiencing it with us. Jessica Alves from Brazil. Wow. Well, what a what a little twist at the end. I know. I love twist <laughs> endings. I am actually going to be myself. So that's all the time we have this week for. Keep it <laughs> weird. Thank you so much for tuning in and never missing an episode of the show. We love you very much. Thank you to all of our listeners that have gone on to iTunes or the Apple Podcast app on your phone to rate our show and uh, allow us to continue being a five-star podcast. Yes. That's really cool. And for those of you who gave us one star, why? They never leave feedback. Why'd you do it? Those one stars. At least tell that us why. Rude. I know. Luckily, there's not that many so far. No. But they could come. Very few. <laughs> I don't know, you know what i'm talking about because if you're listening at this very moment you are not one of the one star people true that wouldn't make any sense but uh check out our patreon at www.patreon.com slash keep aware podcast find ways you can donate to the show and get some cool stuff in return like newsletters and bonus episodes and discounts on merch grab a t-shirt or a tank top from our store at www.etsy.com slash shop slash keep aware podcast <sighs> this is ridiculous our sign off Two in oh. one day. Why, God? How 
how did we not learn from an this? hour ago that we needed to come up with a new one? Should have been thinking <laughs> when I was refilling my water between episodes. Um, well, well, well. I feel like the message is the same. Just like love it yourself. It really is the same. Like live your truth. Love who you are. Love yourself. But also like don't shit on people when they get a nose job. I don't know. Like just be just hey, listen. We're all in this together. Am I right? We're all in this together. Troy Bolton, high school musical, Disney Channel twenty six. <laughs> 2006. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yes, well, exactly what she right. said. We're all in this together. Be nice to each other. Be nice to yourself. And keep it weird. Keep it weird. Uh.